Thanks for joining us. You are listening to the Men's Purity Pursuit Podcast from Redding, California. Hello. I just love you guys. I really do. I was sitting back in the back and my heart was just pounding for you guys. I was feeling God's love for you and just a beautiful group of people in here. So thank you so much for, uh, Mark, where are you? For inviting me to speak. When he asked me to speak, I literally hoped he would forget he asked. (laughs) Um, I was really intimidated to think about speaking in front of a whole bunch of guys. But as I started praying into it, I just, like I said, I was feeling God's heart for you guys. I could not wait to get here and hopefully encourage you some. So um, I met Mark and Diane about eight years ago. Can you believe it's been that long? Because we were some of the original uh, leaders of the Love After Marriage group with Mark, Lex, some other guys. And um, so Ken and Mark had lunch one time um, and Mark told Ken all about men's group. And then Ken came home and told me about it. And I, I just burst into tears. I couldn't even put words to why I was feeling so emotional about it. But I just started crying. I was in Chipotle, just... And, and so later I realized, I think what it was, was Ken was involved in a group kind of like this um, years ago. And it was a real game changer for him. He was with some brothers and sisters that understood his struggle and really encouraged him, lifted him higher, just like what you guys are doing. And he met a father in, this group, in that group that he was the guy that Ken would go to when he messed up. And the father would pick him up, give him a hug, and then slap him on the butt and say, now go do good work. You're better than this, you know? And, and that's what he needed. And so if it wasn't for that group, I would not be here today. I wouldn't have married Ken if he hadn't gotten his stuff together. We wouldn't have our four kids and our beautiful life. And so that's why I was feeling so emotional because this group is so important. And, um, you know, my uncle died about a year ago and you would have loved him. He was the kindest person. He had so much going for him. He he was talented. He was um, a genius. But the tragedy about his life is that he died alone. He was just riddled with addiction. He never married. He never had kids. He really didn't have friends. He didn't let people in. And so he died alone. And it was tragic for me. And the Lord really spoke to me through that and said, pain that is unresolved travels down through generations. You know, that's true. So my uncle was in pain that was unresolved and riddled with addiction. And you know where that came from? His dad, who was in unresolved pain throughout his whole life and was riddled with addiction and beat the crap out of my uncle every day of his life. And you know where that came from? His dad. And it traveled down. I don't know how far up the line it goes, but it traveled down and it, God started convicting my heart. What do I want to pass on to my kids? I better deal with my pain right now. And, and when you're a mom, thank you. when you're a mom, you've got these little kids pulling on you constantly. It feels selfish to try to work on yourself. Like, it really does. It feels like, for me to take some time to work through something that's, that I'm feeling pain about is taking time away from trying to help them. It feels selfish. And the Lord told me, that's the most selfless thing that I can do, is to work on me. Because I do not want to pass that down to them. You know what I want to pass down to them? I want to pass down my love of art and theater. I was a theater major. And I want to pass down my smile and my laugh. And I do not want to pass down fear and anger, I don't want to pass down to them a sense that they are a nuisance and they're driving me crazy. There's no way I want to pass that down. So I want to ask you the same question. Like, what do you want to pass down? Pain 
that is unresolved passes down through the generations and it gets uglier and uglier and uglier as it goes. But I want for you, I mean, I'm looking out here, it's a beautiful group of men. You have so much beauty inside that I wanna see you pass down. I wanna see you pass down your strength, your bravery, your masculinity, your fatherhood. You know, that's the things I wanna see you pass down, not fear and intimidation and addiction. So what you're doing in this room right now, today, you're not just dealing with your stuff. What you're doing is you're changing the course of your family line. It's hugely important what you're doing here today. And for heaven's sakes, what we really need in this world is fathers and brothers and uncles and sons that have their stuff together, that can leave a legacy and pass down good stuff. That's exactly what we need in this world. And that's what you're doing. So I hope you're realizing that. I hope you're realizing that. And so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here and being diligent. And I know it's not easy, I'm sure. But thank you. Thank you. So um, what I want to entitle my message tonight is what Ken Williams did right. (laughs) You you can pay me later, okay. Um, Because if you know him, you know he's not gonna brag on himself, but I wanna brag on him a little bit because he did a lot of things right in his journey. And I have heard his story many times over the last 10 years since we've been married. And so I've kind of extrapolated some things that I think he did really well. And if you don't know him, I don't know if everybody knows him, but he walked through a same-sex attraction and, and has heal, complete healing from that today. So um, one of the things that he did right, the first thing, is he believed that the whole Bible is true. So what happened to him in his life is he got radically healed from an incurable disease. And what that did in his mind is he realized, oh, wow, when the Bible says that that God carried away all of our sickness and disease. He wasn't talking about like emotional sickness or when we get to heaven, we're gonna be free of sickness. He realized the Bible meant, you, you can take the Bible at face value. You can stand on it and believe it. And that really helped him through his, his struggle of, to sexual freedom as well because he realized every scripture in the Bible, I can take as my own. I can stand on that. Now, why is that so important? Because don't we all need hope? right? The Bible grounds us when we have nothing left to cling to, when we have nothing, nothing, we can stand on the word of God. We can hold onto it with our whole heart, okay? But we have to believe that it's true. So how many in here believe that if you, let's see, what, how does that verse go? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How many in here believe that? Okay. How many in here believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, Okay, how many of you believe that he was born, uh, raised again on the third day? Okay, so if you believe that, then you have to believe everything else because either some of it's true or either all of it's true or none of it's true. Either some of it's lying or all of it's lying. So you have to believe the whole thing. So here's an example from my my own life. Um, When one of our kids was two, he was given a diagnosis from a doctor that was really devastating. I'm not gonna say what it was because I wanna protect my child, but it was absolutely devastating. The worst news I have ever received in my entire life. I felt completely empty, completely alone. This diagnosis was incurable. There was nothing we could ever do to change it. And it was 100% life altering for him and my son and for us. And it was, it was horrible. And then I asked the doctor, well, how did this happen? And the doctor said, well, we're not positive, but it's probably something environmental. 
So I said, what does that mean? She said, it's probably something you did when you were pregnant with him or when he was a baby. So I received the worst news I've ever heard in my entire life. And to compound that, it's my fault. It's one thing to screw up your own life, but to realize you've screwed up somebody else's life, especially your child, who you love more than anything in the world, that news is unbearable. And I couldn't think of a single thing that would make that right. And the Lord started dealing with me. Do you believe my word is true? I'm like, shut up, you know? (laughs) No, do you believe that it's true? When I say all things work together for your good, do you believe that? I'm like, no way. (laughs) Not in this situation, all things worked. This is gonna work together for my good? Are you freaking kidding me? Are you telling me this is gonna be like one of those movies where like the person goes through horrible heartache for their entire life and at the very end they realize, but yet I've learned to love a little bit better, you know? Like that's not okay for me, God, no, no, no. And the Lord kept telling me, no, I work all things, not some things, not most things. I work all things together for your good. So I clung to that verse. It grounded me. I clung to it with all my heart. And just to fast forward, here's the end of the story. He got healed. He got healed from an incurable diagnosis. And it gets better. Not only was he cured, it was largely through prayer and nutrition which opened the door for me to start a nutrition business, which is now providing for us like crazy financially, and I get to help all kinds of other families who are going through similar things have health and life and hope. So when God said he works all things together for my good, that's what he meant. And so here's a verse that I want to throw out at you and see if you believe it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All things through Christ. So any tiny voice that is telling you, you can't, you've gone too far, you don't have enough, any tiny voice that's telling you that is straight from the pit of hell. It's 100% lying to you because the Bible is true and the Bible says you can do all things. And are you telling me that you're the only person in all of creation that that verse doesn't apply to? (laughs) You're not that special. Um, Here's another one. This one's gonna blow your mind. Are you ready for this? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you know what righteousness means? It means perfection. So let me say this a different way. I am as perfect as God because of Christ Jesus. Mind-blowing. How can this possibly be? God, don't you know that I did this? Don't you know that today I did this? Don't you know that I have done that in the past? Yes. And guess what? He still finds you righteous. Another way to say righteous, another meaning, is in right standing relationally. So God, there's nothing between me and God. We're good. He's not mad at me. He's not frustrated with me. He doesn't withhold things from me. We are good. So there was a time in my life when I could not get this. Like, it was not going through. So I made it a point that every time I got in my car, I would say that verse over and over and over until I got it. Okay, it sounded like this. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then I got it. I finally got it. And here's how you can get it too. 
do you know how this could possibly be true? Because this is like the best news you've ever heard or I've ever heard. Is when Jesus died on the cross, and thank you, Matt, for sharing about the cross today. Oh, right there. Thank you, Matt. Um, When Jesus died on the cross, here's what happened. It's the most powerful event in all of history. He took all of my sin, all of my shame, the worst thing I've ever done, the worst thing you've ever done, the worst thing anybody has ever done, and he put it on him on the cross. And in exchange, he gave me his perfection. He was without sin. We exchanged lives. He gave me his perfection. I gave him my crap, and we're good. That's how that works. So when God looks at me, do you think he sees sin? No, he sees Jesus because Jesus is inside of me. That is how that verse can possibly be true. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When we start believing the full Bible, it really changes things for us. So that's what Ken, first thing he did right. The second thing he did right was he took proactive steps to change his mindset. So did you know, it's, it's one thing to believe that the Bible is true, but to actually change your mindset about it is a different thing. Did you know that it's just a, a tiny percent of the population that actually will change, will move from, you know, a hard, something hard, will change their lives into something better? It's just a tiny percentage of the population. And do you know why? Because uh, our number one instinct, like primal instinct, is to survive. And number two is to avoid pain. And so actually, when you look at where you are, let's say you're addicted to porn and you want to be here, which is freedom, Looking at where you are to where you want to be is so painful. Most of the time, your brain will just kick it out. You can't, you won't, no way. So even to have a picture in your mind of where you could be, most people can't even do that. Then if you can get that picture in your mind, the journey of going from here to here can be so painful that you can't survive it, okay? Well, let me give you some hope. Um, I went to a seminar a few months ago and the man speaking talked about this and he said that his dad was the sports psychologist for the winningest team in all of history. And they, they did like a scientific study on these ball players where they hooked their brains up to machinery and stuff to see if their mindsets actually changed the way they played the game. And it absolutely did. And so um, it, it was really fascinating. So what he talked about was the first thing you have to do if you wanna get from here to here, is you have to have a very clear and specific goal. Because your brain is like a GPS. If you, if you just have a GPS and you don't put any directions into it, it's just a paperweight, it doesn't do anything. But the minute you put a direction into it, it'll tell you step by step exactly how to get to your goal. And that's exactly how our brains work. It's fascinating. Um, if you tell it where you wanna go, your brain will stop at nothing to help you get there. It'll help you open up your eyes to possibilities. It'll help you connect with people. It'll keep you up at night with creative ideas. It'll help you get there. That's the way God designed a brain. It's amazing. But you have to have a clear and specific goal. And then the second thing that the the speaker at the conference said is it's really important to actually change the pathways of our brain. So did you know that our brain is actually chemically kind of solidified with some pathways, but you can change it through images in your brain, through imagining what life could be like. Did you know that? This is scientifically proven. So you could be going this way in your pathway, which says I can't, but you change the picture and all of a sudden, yes, you can. Your brain knows you can. And so he suggested, and this is what I've been doing, is writing down 30 affirmations that you say morning and night. And he he wasn't a Christian, but I mean, this is renewing our mind. 
we're renewing our mind of what can be and what God has called us to be. Um, and, and he actually says to picture that affirmation in your mind. So that might be confusing, so let's practice. Okay, this is one of my affirmations. I want you to close your eyes. And when I say it, I want you to think of, to picture what this must be like in your brain. Get a picture in your mind. God and I are a majority in every situation. God and I are a majority in every situation. Do you feel that? Can you picture that? I'll tell you what I picture. I picture a giant army and they're kicking butt and taking names, but it's just me and God. (laughs) But we're a giant army. And so every time I'm going along in my day and I face something that's intimidating me, all of a sudden, you know, my pathway has changed. No, this isn't intimidating. God and I are majority in every situation. I got this. It's, to, it's a game changer. And so Ken did a lot of this proactive renewing of his mind during his journey. And I encourage you to do that same thing. So that's number two. Number three is he didn't drag women down with him while he was going through his process. <laughs> he wanted to. He wanted to date. He wanted to see if he could do it. But he didn't. And I so appreciate that. And so, okay, Mark, I don't know what you guys preach in here. So you can fix this later if I'm wrong. But... <laughs> But this is my opinion, is that if you are wanting to date, you're not sure you're ready, and these words start to come out of your mouth, I want or I need, let me just stop you right there. That is an excellent way to ruin two lives. Because the only way to have a successful relationship is for it to come out of overflow, for you to be so filled up that you have something to give. And... Let me tell you, thanks Mark. Let me tell you who the best servant is that I know, Ken Williams. He learned that so well walking through his journey. He waited until he had something to serve me with before he felt like he was ready to date me. And he's the best servant that I know. And you might, if you're not married, you might be expecting you know, something out of marriage and marriage is awesome. But let me tell you what marriage is really like. What true love is really like, it's servanthood. It's Ken waking up in the middle of the night having kids barf all over him, not complaining, changing diapers, sitting on my hospital bed with me for 16 hours as I was going through heart failure after I had my twins, helping me breathe, (sighs) every breath, constantly serving me, not doing something for himself. That is what true love looks like. And until you're ready to give something back, you're not ready. My opinion, but. And the fourth thing is when he did feel he was ready and he felt like he had something to give back, he didn't just sit on his couch expecting God to throw some woman at his doorstep. He was brave and he was scared, but he was brave. He stepped out, he asked me out, he was really scared. He was especially scared to tell me about his struggle. So some of you may have heard this story before, but what happened to me when he told me, what he had struggled with for all these years. We were um, in the car on the way from Austin to Dallas. We lived in Texas. Any Texans out there? Yes. Love you. And Okay, right. So we knew knew each other for a year. I really liked him the whole year. He didn't pay attention to me. That was so wrong. (laughs) 
And we had been dating for a month. So we're driving in the car, and he chooses this opportunity to tell me everything, including tears and, like, giant confessions. And I'm an actor, so I was going, awesome. Okay, this is okay. This, this is okay. Uh, is this okay? You know? And I, I said, you know, can we just stop for a second? got to use the restroom. So I run into a gas station so that I can have a panic attack. True story. And I'm in there, breathing, trying to breathe, and the Lord did something crazy. It could be the clearest I've ever heard his voice in my life. He grabbed me, is what it felt like, and said, Tiffany, don't you ever think about him in that way again, because I don't. And so I was like, okay okay, thank you. I needed that. And so we had to have a couple more talks. I needed to know some more information. I needed to know, okay, do you have fathers in your life? Do you have brothers in your life? Are you in community? How do I know I can trust you? Because here's another thing I forgot to say. My best friend's husband that week had left her for a man. So I was like, you know, this scared me. So we had to talk it out, but it's never been an issue in our marriage. I can't think of one time this has been an issue in our marriage. And so I just want to encourage you that when the time is right for you, And if you're afraid to share with whatever girl that you've had a struggle or that you have a struggle or, you know, whatever, let me just encourage you, God is for you. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to have a successful relationship. And he goes before you to to fight your battles for you. Ken didn't even, he didn't have to fight that battle. God came in and told me what I needed to know. And it was great. And we have an excellent relationship. So anyway, I just want to encourage you with that, that he was bold and God took care of the rest. So I think that's everything I have to say. But. <laughs>